From Superman to kryptonite, I know some of you are thinking, I know how pastor is. He always has some type of illustration to go along with it. But as I was studying this message, and uh, we'll be focusing this morning out of Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. And most of us can say we know the story, but I think what I want to focus on this morning is not more or less the whole story of Samson and Delilah, but more... Than anything, last week we spoke on part one of the anointing. And this week, I want to go into part two of God's anointing. Turn me down just a little bit there. Thank you. So we have God's anointing. We saw it through scriptures. And uh, we understand the significance of anointing. Anointing is like an ointment. It's smeared all over us. When God anoints us, the word actually means to enable or to equip. Anointing means enable or to equip. And so as children of God, the foundation that needs to be laid first and foremost is that we are anointed in God. You can turn on the house lights now. We have an anointing in God. And so we must realize that when we step away from God, when we move away and allow sin in our life, it separates us from that anointing. And we've seen it all through Scripture. What ends up happening is we allow iniquity, we allow sin to creep up, and then all of a sudden, then our, our fellowship and our relationship with God starts to diminish. I know for me, one of the things as a minister that keeps me preaching his word is because I'm scared to death of God. That's a healthy fear. I am afraid that if I step outside of God's will, if I step outside of his fellowship, then that anointing, that enabling, that equipping will go away. Last week, I'm not going to go to last week's message, but I want to uh, bring to attention to everybody here today that when you have that anointing, you need to walk in that anointing, stay in that anointing. And that's what's awesome about living our life, a victorious Christian life. And so today, I'm going to kind of show you what kryptonite will do to somebody and as you see this you're going to love this old clip of superman and what kryptonite will do and as you see that i want you to replace kryptonite with something that brings temptation something that brings that separation between you and god you know what it is i don't maybe it's food maybe it's pornography maybe it's covetousness Jealousy, whatever it might be, what I want you to do is I want you to think about what it is that Satan does when he comes in your life like a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. That's like kryptonite. And we know all of the characters in Superman and how they want to take his life because you see, he was born with powers. Now, I'm not going to focus on Superman today, but anyhow, he was born in, in in the Hollywood terms, with an anointing. He could leap buildings in a single bound. He could fly to heights no man has ever flown before. That was Superman. 
But what if we had the anointing and power of God and we really believed it, what we could do in his name? What we could do through his power. We are so limited and we're, we're so messed up with, you know what, I just think, uh, this is just too much for me. I mean, live in that separated Christian holy roller life. Are you kidding me? This is rough. So I want to show you visually in a little three-minute video. Look what happened to Superman when the kryptonite came. You diseased maniac. Do you really think you could hide it from me by encasing it in lead? I'll mold this box into your prison bars. Don't touch that. I told you. That's kryptonite, Superman. Little souvenir for the old hometown. I spared no expense to make you feel right at home. great in your day, Superman. But it just stands to reason. When it came time to cash in your chips, a diseased maniac would be your banker. Mind over muscle. You don't even care. Where are the other missiles headed, do you? Certainly I do. I know exactly where it's headed. Hackensack, New Jersey. (laughs) I have to leave you now. No hard feelings. We all have our little faults. Mine's in California. And it froze. That's it. When I look at this from a biblical perspective, you're like, really, Pastor? When I look at kryptonite, and I'm going to break it down for you today. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'm going to get right into the word and and we're going to understand what kryptonite is. Do you see what it does? It makes you drowned. He said, oh, you never thought your banker would do this to you, did you? Isn't it amazing? How that Satan transforms himself as an angel. How he comes as a thief. How he comes in and destroys and to kill your life. And yet, we don't even notice the anointing has been removed. From Superman to Kryptonite. How many have played with a jigsaw puzzle before? We've all put puzzles together, right? Everybody can say that in this room. You put them out on a folding table and work on it for days, enjoying the experience as you successfully put in piece after piece after piece. 
I recently ran across another person's experience with a jigsaw puzzle. She wrote, after toiling over a thousand piece puzzle, I was unable to finish it because there was one piece missing. So I did what anybody else would do. I returned the box to the store and explained why. The clerk was obviously not a puzzle aficionado. As she refunded my money, she asked pleasantly, how far did you get before you realized that there was a piece missing? That was excellent, Pastor. Cricket, did you guys get it? Okay, help me out here. When do you realize that, that a piece is missing from a jigsaw puzzle? When the puzzle is almost done, right? You spend all that time working on the puzzle, but it isn't until too late that you notice that a piece is gone. Samson was a man who had lost something as well, and he didn't notice it was missing until it was too late. His strength had been taken from him, and he faced bondage and blindness because it was now gone. So we ask the question, how did Samson lose his strength? How was this part of his life that was so special to him taken from him? Well, every time I think about it, I can't help but think of this song. I'm going to play. Now, I know this is putting some people over the edge. We are in the sanctuary of the Lord. And I don't mean to disrespect it, but how many remember this song? Let's just pay about three seconds of it. We know this is it bringing back memories for some of us young people. I'm riding in your car, and then it gets to the part on the chorus. Are you ready for it? And we, and we all say it every time I think of Samson and Delilah, it goes right into this part. Listen closely. There it is. Will Romeo and Juliet? You guys know, right? I figured I'd put the words up. Now watch closely this song. This is the story of Samson. I love that couldn't be not. This is the way our world looks at. Yeah, they lie, he said. You know, isn't that the way our flesh is? Fire! Now, and this is where it says here, Really? A grip so tight I couldn't tear it apart. My nerves all jumping. Ready? I figured you would really enjoy this. How many of you have a flash from the past? Go ahead. <laughs> okay, cut it. So we're looking at this song, and I'm going to explain why I played this song. And the more I look at it, it's because here was a relationship between two people. And she just really liked this guy, and he wanted to get a big smooch from her. Maybe a little bit more. And in our Christian circles, we should really honor purity. If you're not married and we should really honor purity within our relationship 
You know, but I love this. Like Romeo and Juliet. You know, and you think, oh, what a sweet little couple. And then over here, Samson and Delilah. And I'm thinking, that was the most wicked relationship that's in the world, other than David and Bathsheba. And yet the song says, oh, it's sweet. They had a wonderful relationship. They didn't have a wonderful relationship. The relationship came in, creeped in, and sin took a hold of this man like it takes a hold of us when our flesh takes over. We know that. So what I want you to do is I want you to turn to Judges. If you're in the book of Judges, which is found in the Old Testament, I'm going to talk about a special anointing this morning. Luke, maybe turn me down in the monitors just a little bit so that we don't have an echo. There we go. Depending on how I'm speaking, we're, and I apologize, we're just still learning this system, and so it's all coming together. Three, some points to this morning's message. Delilah asks Samson an interesting question. Think about this, point number two. Was Samson's hair really the source of his strength? Three, so if Samson's hair wasn't really the source of his weakness, what was? And then we continue in the message. As we realize that pride starts to creep up in his life, and it's our pride that can lead us to look to ourselves when we need the strength that we need from God. So I'm going to just start with chapter 13. Now, let me just set a little bit of a platform for where we're going and what we're doing and educate you just a little bit. Judges 13 starts off with a precious couple. She could not bear a child. And so the angel of the Lord comes to her and she starts to, he starts to speak to her and say, this is what's going to take place. You're going to have a child and this child is going to have some special powers. Now, most of you would say, but I really don't understand the story of Samson. Where did he come from? What was the whole object to this message? So if we jump all the way back to Numbers chapter 6, it actually says this, and you don't have to turn there, but number 6 actually spells out what a Nazarite is. A Nazarite was one that was set apart for God's service. So when you look at the Old Testament, we know that Moses was called and he was set apart. Aaron was called, he was set apart. How many of you feel that David was anointed and set apart? With Saul? Yes, we went through that last week. They were set apart for God. And so in Numbers chapter 6, what you find out is it starts to give you the criteria of what a Nazarite is. For example, we all have rank in the church, right? Trustees, elders, apostles, preachers, teachers. You know, it's, it's spelled out. We all have a gifting in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, correct? Do we have giftings? Where do they come from? God. So we realize that our gifting becomes our anointing, and then we transfer that, and we use that for God. Now, how is it that you're using it, all right? So God comes in, you know, he blesses your life right from conception. He says in his word, you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. You are special. You're anointed. And I love this. And then we live a life that's so carnal and so wicked and so sinful. And then we step through the threshold, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, get into the baptismal waters, walk in the newness of life, not to be discipled and live out our life in 
the anointing. And then God starts to work in your life. And so the Nazarite had three things that they had to do in the Old Testament. Sacrifice was really huge in the Old Testament. Do you hear me? People will say, I get really confused with all of the animals that are sacrificed, so on and so forth. But sacrifice took place until Jesus Christ came and he was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God that hung on the cross, that rose three days later, and now we have life because of Jesus Christ. That is now, that's the newness, that's the anointing that we have as a born-again Christian. So when you go back to the Old Testament, there were three things in number six that are spelled out. One, it says, listen, if you're a Nazarite, you're not to be given to strong drink. Do not drink off of the vine. Two, you're not to cut your hair. If you cut your hair, that will be against God's law. And then three, you're not to eat anything that is dead off of the land. And so there were three things that were spelled out that were serious. God meant business. Just like today, God means business when he spells out in the New Testament how we are to live our life through him. Why do we sit and play with kryptonite? Many of us do play with sin. And I want to tell you that last week as I was in the scriptures and I was studying the anointing of God, we had those that came and wanted an anointing upon them. And I have to say that God is doing his work because I believe that. And so people come for prayers for healing and so on and so forth. But I want you to know that when it comes to the temptations of this earthly life. Satan wants to trip you up. Now, for example, I'm a little boy. I go to church. I learn at age nine, wow, Jesus died for me. So I get saved. And at age 13, I finally understand the concept of baptism. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, in the name of Jesus Christ, to walk in the newness of life. And then after that, the word kept coming to me. Surrender. Be obedient. Surrender. Be obedient. Surrender. Be obedient. And so what ends up happening is, I learned, wait, great is thy faithfulness. What a great old hymn. We need to be obedient. We need to be faithful. We need to walk in the ways of the Lord. Pastor, you don't understand my schedule. If I were to get up and pray and read my Bible, that would take 20 minutes. I'm already 20 minutes behind work every day. Don't talk to me about it. Talk to him about it. He's the one that's missing your relationship. He's the one that's missing you being there. And so God wants to use all of us. And so we're going to make it relevant for today. And I want us to start in Judges chapter 13. And here we find that there's the birth of Samson. And we start in verse number one. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Now, how many years did the children of Israel, did they wander in the wilderness? Forty years. I'm 44 years old. I'm tired at 44. And some of you just had birthdays. And 
we all know, even at our ages, just how difficult it is. Labor for him for the next 40 years. Make a commitment. Don't be like the children of Israel out there wandering around. Fulfilling your own needs and wants. And so here he is. He starts to speak and he said, watch this. There was evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not, which means she, she was not with child. She could not have children. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. Okay, he didn't come out and say you're going to be a Nazarite, but if you want to correlate the two and go back to Numbers chapter 6, here's where the angel of the Lord says, Your son will have an anointing. Remember, do not do these three things. So, we continue. Now therefore, in verse 4, Beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine or strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Was the giant that David slew, was he a Philistine? Okay, we continue. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very terrible, but the word actually means very awesome in appearance. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. So they were excited, and the story continues, and uh, we know that God blesses, and we go clear over to verse 24. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. The word Samson actually means like the sun. And the spirit of the Lord began to move in him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshdiel. Isn't it amazing? You know where your relationship was. You know the sweet, sweet spirit that you had. You know that your relationship was awesome with God. And then it happened. Temptation came. And it all went away. Well, here was a young man who the story doesn't even stop there. He now wants to marry a Philistine. He now wants to, to really go to the camp of the Philistines when here they've been in captivity. See, I have watched in the lives of people. You have something special in your life. There's something separated in your life from God and the fleshly desires of man. And then all of a sudden, I bow my head. And I grieve for your soul. I grieve that I notice that you've allowed Satan to come in and take precedence and residence in your life. 
That's probably the hardest part as a minister. It's the hardest part for those in the church. And aren't you thankful for His forever grace that continues to forgive us? And then He loves us as He did Job. And He wipes the tears from our eyes and He brings us back home. Because He loves you that much. It didn't just stop at the cross. It goes on and on and on. And so here we are in 13... And we notice that in chapter 14, there's Samson. And all of a sudden he says, I have a little riddle for you. Here's my riddle. And then he goes into the riddle. And we realize that sin number one starts to take place in his life. But I love in Judges 14, verse 19. Watch this. It did not say that Samson did it on his own. He had the power and presence of God in his life. It says that the spirit of the Lord was on him. Watch. 19. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them and took their spoil and gave change of garments, blah, blah, blah. Do you notice that? Write it in your Bible. The spirit of the Lord. And then we move over. Samson burns the Philistines' corn. He's denied by his wife at the beginning of 15. And then we go down. Samson slays a thousand Philistines. In verse 14, it says, uh, 15, chapter 15, verse 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Where did the spirit of the Lord go? Upon him. I love it. Now we move right over into 19. But God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Now, we continue to keep moving. Now, here he is. All of a sudden, you hear, dum, 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 dum. I'm riding on my camel. I head down to Delilah's house. She looks into my eyes. I gaze back into her eyes. She takes me by my hair. And she cuts it all off. And I'm not going to sing no more. You're welcome. I was... I thought that was... See, I need to become a writer to to songs. No, just stick with this, right? So here's what happened. Delilah entices him. And here we are in chapter 16. And she says, Oh, my sweet, sweet Samson. You are such a hunk of burning love. I love you. There's no other man finer than you. I just want to lay with you. How about this? Can I just run my fingers through your hair? And he says, sure. And he becomes this little weak, weak little boy. What took place in his life? Pride. So Samson all of a sudden thought, well, look at me. Hello, I am Samson. And I'm the strongest man out there. Matter of fact, I'm so strong that I'm like Superman. And it doesn't matter what happens. I am Superman. (laughs) That's what he thought. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Kryptonite took place. And he turned green. And he became weak 
and feeble. And before long, here was Samson. Thank you, honey. <laughs> Let me bump my shirt back up. My wife says, honey, just wear the T-shirt. I said, then they'll have to flex for everybody. And you'll get all distracted. And I love the anointing of God. So let's just keep it with the suit coat on. All right. And uh, so here Samson was. He yields to the lust of his flesh. And he gives into it. Not just once. Not just t- twice. But three times a lady. Like the song says. He starts to lose it. He becomes enticed by sin. By iniquity. When he thought all along, you see who I am? I am a Nazarite. I have been chosen from God to do a work no other man has done before. Sound like Superman, didn't it? Until he became weak. And I love what she said. So, can you just explain to me my good look and hunk of burning love? Now, what makes you weak? And so he gives her three excuses what makes her weak. And all three of those, she runs in the other room. And there's a guy outside the window. She hangs out the window. And she tells him, Psst, hey, Philistine, listen, this is what's happening. You need to come in. When he wakes up, he's going to be weaker than you can imagine. And they're over there going, this is so awesome. I love it when a plan comes together. We're going to take the strongest man that's out there. We're going to take him and we'll still have Israel. So he wakes up and bam, she tied him all up. I see some of your luck. She tied him up and then ripped him. He ripped out of that bed when she said, oh, the Philistines are coming for you. Oh, the Philistines are coming for you. I'm scared, Samson. So he gets out and what's he do? He takes their lives. So she stands back in there, man, and she's pacing the floor going, what's going on here? Man, this just doesn't make sense to me. He told me, so she goes, oh, I have curtains up here now. Samson, come in here. So he reappears again. Man, oh, you wear me down. We know the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the pride of our eyes. It just makes us weak. Okay, Delilah, I'm coming. Here I come. And that's really what was taking place. And so as I look at this story, I think this is unbelievable because not once, but now here he is again. And she goes, oh, my hunk of burning love. What happened? So then here he tells her again, oh, this is really, it's this. And he, and he gives her all these excuses, and we're not going to get into that. I don't, I'm not going to bore you with all that. But, but then the third time came around, and here's what she said to him. You know what? You've lied to me. Oh, there's that word. There's the word. You've lied to me. Don't you love how Satan does that in our life? You know what? If you weren't such a liar... Don't go to church because, you know, everybody's looking at you because you're a liar. Yeah, we're sinners saved by grace. Hallelujah. I mean, we're here because we want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to acknowledge who God is. We want to sing songs because we want to praise him and acknowledge him. 
But Satan's always there using his demons to destroy our Christian life. He doesn't want you to live in victory. And he knew that Samson was anointed as a child. And yet, this big oof, who thinks, now I'm such a hunk of burning love, can't control the lust of his flesh. The sexual sin of temptation comes in his life, and as she's running her fingers through his hair, he looks at her and says, Oh, my Delilah, I'm burning with fire in my soul. I love you. I can trust you. Now, pause. Here's a commercial. How can you trust somebody if it already happened two and three times? I was like, are you an idiot, Samson? And Samson said, yes, Todd, I am an idiot. I said, okay, because that's what I was thinking as I was studying this. You know, but this is what's amazing. When I back all the way up, do you guys know that when he was even going down to see the young lady that he was uh, courting at the time they were engaged? There's a lion. And the lion has honey and bees and they made a nest in it. And so as he's whistling through the woods, he sees this lion and he reaches down in and he takes that honey and he takes it back to mommy and daddy and says, look what I've brought home to you. And they're like, oh, yay, honey. Thank you, honey. And uh, so they feast. But what he didn't tell him was one, he ate from a carcass that he killed. And so as he was going back up there, he took something he shouldn't have done. So here's the guy who, one, wasn't supposed to be with strong drink, and yet he wants to sit and feast and have a great big party. Number two, he's not supposed to eat off of the land of a dead carcass. Rut-row, you did that too, buddy. And then three, guess what? Don't cut your hair. And what did he do? Delilah, I love you. You're awesome. Cut my hair. Say with me, what an idiot. He was. He had an anointing upon his life. And here's what took place. The Philistines came into him. They took him. They bound him. And better yet, they plucked out his eyeballs. So he could not see. So here he was in between two pillars. He's now captive. He's now in bondage. He has shackles on him. And he can't get free. And then he realizes, which is most of us, we don't realize when the anointing has left us until we cry out and say, hey God, where's my anointing? He couldn't get, he couldn't break free. And then we come to a place in the scriptures where it's verse 28. And he comes to a place of humility where he said, God, I can't do it anymore. You created me to deliver your children out of the hands of the Philistines, and I have let you down. So we see in 28, he cries out to God, and Samson called unto the Lord and said, 
Oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee. Only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Oh, God, help me. I have an addiction. It has kept me in bondage. Lord, you know what I'm going through. Just deliver me today. You told me that I was anointed. God, help me. Deliver me from this bondage that I'm under. When was the last time you did that? Because God looked down to Samson and said, You're still anointed. See, was it his hair? The anointing came from God. It wasn't just his hair. It was the power of God upon his life. I know that my wife and I, we labor for love. My children labor out of love. They love church. My daughters love coming to church. I love coming to church. And I'm going to tell you something. If you haven't been to a Wednesday night service, you've got to come. It is awesome. And I just love the music. I love the upbeat. It's just a great time of praise and worship and God being uplifted. But I'm going to tell you something. More than anything, I don't want God to remove his favor and anointing from my life. And so God looked at him and said, I'll have mercy on you. Because the scripture says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. The scripture also says in 1 John 1, 9, if we shall confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us. Then the greatest part of all, and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that awesome? That's victory. And so he looked at him and said, here's what I'm going to do. You're going to take down more men than you did before. I'll give you enough strength that you'll pull that place down and kill thousands of Philistines. So we read in verse 29. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up. Of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel and the bearing place of Manoah, his father, and he judged Israel 20 years. The cry of repentance. The cry that changed everything. What does the Bible say? Flee youthful lust. Flee fornication. Run. Get away from it. And yet, there he was, hearing the song again. Let me go right back to the song again. And he said, oh, this is, this is really, this is great. The lust of our flesh are but for a moment. But as we grow in the Spirit of God and the anointing of God, it grows and grows and grows. I'm going to give you a story of a man who dealt with a lot of pride, who was very blessed. And we've seen a lot of our leaders 
justify their sinful nature. Just because, because you have power and prestige does not mean that you are exempt from the chastisement of God. Listen to what Nixon once said. If the president does it, it can't be illegal. Clinton's preacher declared, sexual immorality doesn't automatically render a leader immoral. A California congressman named Condit told Connie Chung, sure I make mistakes, but essentially I'm a moral man. Like Nixon, if I do it, it can't be illegal. I'm sure that's what Samson was thinking. He figured out the same thing. Like Clinton, sexual immorality doesn't automatically render a leader immoral. Like Connit, sure I make mistakes, but essentially I'm a moral man. The Bible says in Proverbs 16:18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We must be careful. And I'm calling out to all of you today to say be very, very careful of your flesh. Because it will take you down. God warns us. Let him who thinks he stands strong. And I love what he says. Take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Be very close. Be very careful. But yet the finale to this story is this. God helped him. God restored his strength when he repented. God transferred that anointing back to him. I love that. Listen to this story. How many of you know who Irvin Johnson is? We all know him as Magic Johnson. He was one of the greatest basketball stars of his day. And yet in 1991, the world was shocked by the disclosure that good old Magic Johnson had HIV. It was a terrible moment for this sports legend. Other players wouldn't take the court with him. A doctor made news when he treated Johnson for a cut without using gloves. The situation was making a circus sideshow out of his disease and distracting from the game. Yet Magic Johnson hung up his shoes and walked away from the game that had made him a star. I like this interview that was face-to-face with Connie Chung. Here's what she said. Here's what he said. I mean, I live the bachelor's life, and I'm paying for it. But then he went on to say, I agree with those who say my lifestyle was morally wrong. I am not trying to deny it. I'm trying to battle for my life, and the only thing I can do is ask for your forgiveness. It was my fault. Morally, I was wrong sleeping with a lot of women. I wish it hadn't happened, but it did. All I can do is ask God's forgiveness and leave it in his hands. All I can do is pray a lot. That's it. Just like Samson in his day, Johnson suffered bondage and pain because of his sinfulness. And just like Samson, Magic Johnson repented. So as Paul Harvey says, what is the rest of the story? What has God done with Magic Johnson? 
11 years later, Magic is not only still alive. Do you know Magic Johnson, which is now, what, 22 years? He's 55 years old. Married and has two kids. Every day he works out from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., lifting weights, running sprints, playing basketball scrimmages, and others in the gym. Johnson runs a financial empire worth, as much as we have in our bank accounts, $500 million. But you see what he's done now is he's done something special with his fortune. He invests in inner city businesses trying to help other black families attain the success that he now enjoys. We have a guy right here in our neighborhood, LeBron James, who really has done a lot for the city of Akron. He really has. And here's a guy who is putting back and investing back into his community. Reflecting on his disease, Magic Johnson, he said he was sad that the circumstances by which he got it will be part of his legacy. But he believes he was chosen to get the disease because God needed someone, and he picked me. Well, in some respects, I have to say, God didn't pick him to go out and commit sexual sin. He chose to do that. God gave that man a gift. God gave LeBron James a gift. God has given these NFL, NBA, ABCs, XYZs, whatever they do, they got gifting from God, whether they acknowledge it or not. But when pride starts to take, and take residence and precedence in their life, then they lose really who they are. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what is your kryptonite? What is your sin that's keeping you in shackles? If you said to me, Pastor, I'm coming to church, I need delivered. Well, you came to the right place. You came where the Spirit of God is at. He's here. He said where two or more are gathered together in the midst of worship, of prayer, of communication, I'm here. He just wants you to come with humility Humbly bowing your knee before him, asking and pleading for forgiveness, for reconciliation, and for God to restore your life back to where it once was. I love what this says in his scripture. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, Safe auto and seek the right my car face, insurance for the right price, then will I hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins. And I will heal their land. He was speaking to the nation of Israel. When was the last time you got on your knees and you said, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need you every hour. I need you. In the quietness of this room, we're going to sing a song. I want the praise team if they'll come up. Caitlin, can you please come up and sing this song, Last Word? with us and um, Beck, can you come up and sing as well I, I just I love this song this is a song we sing on Wednesday night this is a song of victory the Bible says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and I want all of you to know that you can conquer and defeat it 
we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And wherever you're at in the room, if you want to bow your head, you can pray and say, God, please forgive me. I want you to strengthen my Christian walk with you more today than I ever have. This song is a song that I sing every day because I know when he said it is finished, he was on the cross and it was done. There's life because of Jesus. Many times I'll come down and pray with you. I'm going to sing with the praise team. But I want you to reflect upon this song and I want you to reflect upon your own life. Listen, you have an anointing and a special gift from God. And you have a voice. Just use it. You have love in your heart. Just exhibit it. People want to see Christ in your life. Will you let him do that? Let's all stand as we pray. Father, we come to you, Lord, and we thank you that, Lord, we realize that as we use the metaphor of Superman and kryptonite, Lord, he never had the powers that you had. You are almighty God. And Father, as we go to you in prayer, Lord, we realize that within our own life, in our own journey here on this earth, we deal with a lot of sin. Father, from money, from addictions to pornography, from pride, from lying, maybe cheating or stealing, from adultery, maybe even idolatry, whatever it might be. Father, I just, I pray that you'll just lift that from the hearts and souls of the people in this building. Lord, today's their day of deliverance. Father, restore them back to where they need to be with you. Restore their marriage. Restore the love between one another. Lord, restore their lives back into a fellowship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, even in the praise team, is there somebody here today that says, I just want God to restore me back to where I need to be? Just slip your hand up. Amen. 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 All over the building, praise the Lord. Lord, and as we continue this prayer, Lord, there's many in this room that they just want to have that relationship and fellowship with you. Father, may, they, may you help them, give them the strength and that anointing. Equip them. May they realize there is victory in you. In your name we pray. Amen. This altar.